0: Welcome, everybody. This is the Political High Podcast, and I am your host, Todd Sweetman. This is the very first episode, and I am super excited to share my thoughts of what is really happening in the world of politics at a local, at a state, and at a national level. Uh, To start off, a quick snippet about who I am as your host. I live in Southern California, and to be upfront and honest with all the listeners out there, I am a Republican, but I like to credit myself with calling things and how they are and how it happens. I've always been around the topic of politics, my whole life really growing up, uh, but I started to pay a, a bit more attention to what was really going on, uh, really at the, at the state, local level, um, but also at the presidential level since the 2016 presidential race, um, which I include myself in this group, I think really raised the statute of political interest in many people across the country. Um, so, but since then, I've been very active about what's going on out there, that I've volunteered with local races and ballot initiatives um, to really kind of make my voice out there and, and really kind of share with, with everyone out there what I, what I believe in and um, try to make that difference, starting mainly at the boots on the ground kind of level. Um, but yeah, that's a quick intro about me. And so let's go ahead and get started. Okay, so the first topic we're going to talk about is the impeachment trial and the eventual acquittal. First off, I just want to say, thank God this is finally over. It was was just an exhausting process, and Trump did nothing wrong. He did absolutely nothing wrong. It was basically an impeachment in search of a crime, instead of having a crime and then impeaching him. Um, I mean, I'm sure... There's going to be another big investigation that they're that the Democratic Party is going to look into, um, but for right now, it's finally over. Thank goodness we don't have to keep hearing about this. Um, a lot of what was accused is that Trump withheld aid to Ukraine to uh, unless they av- investigated the Bidens over their involvement with Burisma, which is a energy company in Ukraine, which is. Well known to be very corrupt, even during the Obama administration. It was known to have a corrupt, um, or known to be a corrupt company. Uh, so basically, that was the huge allegation against Trump. And when you, when you look at the facts of, of what happened, there was no crime. The aid was not withheld, because they keep saying, oh, he withheld aid. The aid was sent through to Ukraine. Before the September 30th deadline, there was a deadline and he sent it and approved it before that deadline. The, and, the, and the reason they were saying, oh, you should have, you could have sent it earlier. The, the president has the right to ask questions and check to make sure that any aid that we're sending out to foreign countries, that the conditions on the foreign aid are being met. And the, one of the conditions in the foreign aid to Ukraine was to see progress on the fight against corruption. And speaking of just corruption in general, he has the right to look into corruption. If he thinks there's corruption going on with involving the United States, he has the right to know. As the president, as the commander in chief, he has the right to know. And the fact that it was Biden, I mean, then this was looking back in time. Then they kept saying, oh, he's trying to use it as a political weapon for 2020. No, he wasn't looking for 2020. He was looking back into the 2016 election because there was Ukraine um, in, the, in the whole Russia collusion hoax. Ukraine was mentioned. And so as part of that, he wanted to look into what, okay, what happened? How did they meddle in our election or were part of the meddling in the election and look into the corruption of Burisma and what kind of access they were trying to get with Biden, with the Hunter Biden and the eventual, because eventual Joe Biden, because he had access to President Obama. So it's finally over, but there was no crime. There was no, um, Conspiracy to benefit him politically over our over the U.S. interests. Um, if anything, it was completely uh, it was it was a fair trial in the Senate. And when you hear that there, oh, there was there was a cover up, uh, or we didn't get to hear the witnesses. Um, they're just they're just the jury. They don't get to call witnesses in the Senate because this is a political judicial process this isn't a normal civil or criminal judicial process and so it's a little different and all the witnesses that are called come from the house the house of representatives when they do their impeachment inquiry and their impeachment process it all starts there and the democratic party failed to collect the evidence or uh, question the witnesses to really prove a arguable case and it wasn't fair in the House uh, and because it, it, the media and the Democrats are very, I would say, they're very good at having one argument, then the next day completely forgetting it as if it never happened. They just stop talking about it. They talk about another point, uh, another narrative, and push forward with it and pretend that whatever happened in the past never happened yeah, they're very, very good at that. I mean, it, it's easier when they're all on the same team and trying to push their own narrative and get Trump out of office. Um, but just historically, before Trump, they've been very good at that. And but the, the, the impeachment process in the House wasn't fair at all. And the, the, basically, the Democrats said, hey, we have a majority and we're going to do the way that we wanted to do and screw you Republicans. Essentially that's what that what they said and what they did. And as much as it sucks, they had that right in the sense that they had majority of the, uh, in the house. And so they were able to kind of carry the impeachment process the way that they saw fit. Um, and so some examples were Republicans were not able to cross examine witnesses that the, Repu- uh, that the Democrats called, um, Dems, uh, they did the hearings and closed off sessions. Um, many without Republicans in the basements of the Capitol building or in some secret building in the Capitol. Uh, the the witnesses, witnesses were not allowed to have lawyers with them, I believe, or um, Trump uh, appointed witnesses to cross examine them. Uh, I believe was 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 what it was. And Trump wasn't allowed to meet his accuser, the whistleblower. And the whistleblower was the one that really started the whole um, Ukraine um, interference. The whole, that's, that's what started it. And Trump wasn't allowed to meet his accuser. And, and he still hasn't to this day met who the accuser was. Um, and so just with those facts alone, it was all one-sided in the Democratic Party, in the impeachment inquiry, and in the impeachment vote. And the Democratic Party failed to call the necessary witnesses. They had the opportunity to call uh, John Bolton. They had the opportunity to call the chief, uh, chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. But Trump has the right to exert executive privilege. And the Democrats had to go through the judicial courts to see if their subpoenas were allowed to go forward. And they decided not to, not to wait. They wanted to rush through it and then they then they complain, "Oh, you Republicans in the trial, you didn't call extra witnesses um I think I think people forget that or and the and the media doesn't help with that point of view um but yeah the dem the Democratic Party rushed through the impeachment process um it was their fault that they didn't call crucial witnesses, and it was all partisan and one party voting only no Republicans voted t- t- for the impeachment of President Trump in the House. It was all a Democratic Party, and it just shows that it was a one-party hit job on the president. Um, the two articles of impeachment that they sent over eventually to the Senate was the abuse of power and, um, oh, what was the other one? Obstruction of Congress. Uh, out of those two, I mean, the obstruction of Congress, that was the weakest one. They just basically saying, "Oh, he didn't cooperate with us when they forget there's a checks and balances and that the president has executive privilege. And then if they disagree, it goes to the courts and they didn't want to follow through with that. So, I mean, out of those two, if they had, if I had to give any, any credit, and which I don't give any of those two articles of impeachment credit, the obstruction of Congress was, I would say technically the weaker one. Um, but, and it's, what's funny though, in the abuse of power one, the one that they said, Oh, he used uh, the military or the aid to Ukraine to look into the Bidens, that whole allegation, when they sent the, the abuse of power articles on impeachment, there was no wording of extortion, there was no wording of quid pro quo, there was no wording of bribery in the actual article of impeachment and the whistleblower was never mentioned. Never mentioned once. And so everything that they were claiming and alleging what happened in the abuse of power, they never mentioned it in the impeachment trial. All They, they just kind of talked and talked and talked about it, but it wasn't in the actual impeachment Article itself um, And so But the the whole thing was Was it to make it difficult To follow it basically Put all these moving parts where people would just kind of check out um, But when you, when you look at the whole process now that it's over You gotta look not at what they were saying But look at the actions um, So basically Trump released The transcript of the phone call And it showed there was no Bribery, quid pro quo, nothing. Adam Schiff, he was the um, House House of Reps who was in charge of the impeachment inquiry, and was the one of the uh, was the main House manager in the Senate trial. Um, he made up the transcript when he was uh, qu- during during the impeachment inquiry. Uh, he made up the transcript after Trump released the transcript, and he got caught. and He was just trying to basically say, "Oh, I was trying to make a parody out of it," uh, but he was caught. He made it up. Which which just shows that they they had nothing. Schiff coordinated with the whistleblower. There's been many articles and links that the whistleblower knew one of uh, Adam Schiff's aides, and they concocted the whole thing. Again, there's nothing out there that's official from from the government perspective, but there's plenty of links um, that that journalists have made. And then after saying it was urgent and they wanted to pass through the impeachment articles. Pelosi waited almost a month to hand over the impeachment papers to the Senate. And it's really funny because what they accused Trump of doing, of the quid pro quo, were basically saying, do this, I'll give you this if if you give me that. Pelosi was basically saying, hey, we're not going to hand over the articles of impeachment unless the Senate abides by what we want them to do. And it was really funny because, and ironic really, because what they accused Trump of doing, Pelosi and the House were, were doing to the Senate but it didn't work, um, as you know, because it eventually led to his acquittal. And speaking of the acquittal votes um, in the Senate, Mitt Romney, uh, i sure a lot of you probably have heard a lot about Mitt Romney. Um, I'm just going to basically sum it up. I, it was all personal. I, I think it, it was a personal dig at Trump. He basically is saying, I can't believe that Trump is president and he wasn't president when he ran and he got the nomination in 2012. And I think he, he looks at Trump as a lesser and he said, I can't believe this idiot and his, and his, and again, in his eyes, how he's the president and I'm not the president. Um, it was completely personal and that's one, uh, one of the issues with the Republican party is that they have individuals that just stab you in the back. Um, And you can say like, oh, the Democrats like they had Joe Manchin vote for the approval of Justice Kavanaugh during those hearings. But what's different is that he was allowed to get the votes because he was in a tight election race. Um, But the Republican Party always have one or two crucial votes. Well, in this case, it wasn't crucial because there was he wasn't even close to getting uh, impeached or removed from office. Trump, but they always have one or two. Individual senators that always stab you in the back and do a blind turn. And I think that's one of the reasons why the RNC is having difficulty fundraising now is because I think a lot of people are starting to open up their eyes and saying, hey, the establishment Republican Party still doesn't have the president's back. And... Trump has over uh, – there was a recent poll that he had 95 percent approval of the Republican Party, of Republican Party voters. Um, so there, that's why I think Mitt Romney is encapsulating the GOP establishment um, and reason why is they're, they're having issues with fundraising. And lastly, with the whole impeachment, I think it sets a, this whole thing sets a dangerous precedent in the future – uh, again, set by the Democratic Party because they unleashed the use of a of impeachment as a political weapon and not as a serious offense or if, if there 's evidence of a serious crime they use it as a political strategy as a political hit job, and it 's dangerous moving forward and people can 't forget that they set they they set the tone and it kind of just shows how desperate they are to get him out of office um, but yeah that 's the impeachment. Um, trial, and the eventual acquittal of President Trump. All right, so next topic is State of the Union. Um, Put it simply, I thought Trump did a fantastic job at State of the Union. Um, You got to remember that the State of the Union is basically a huge sales pitch to America because the spotlight's on you. Uh, You got to remember that a lot of uh, the average American doesn't really pay attention to politics or what's going on and so this is really with any president but in this case Trump's one opportunity with all the eyes on him to really tout his successes and be able to exert confidence and a positive feeling about him as in office and as the leader and why you should pick him to continue leading and basically keep him as the president of the United States um, so I, I thought it was, I thought overall, I thought he did a very good job. Uh, I thought it was probably one of his best speeches. And I thought last year's was really good, but he, he was able to top it for this year. Um, again, he kept it very positive. He ca- uh, kind of had a good patriotic feel to it and exerted confidence um, in his speech and how you feel about America's uh, state right now. And I think his, his closing pitch of the best is yet to come was was very brilliant because He's basically saying, "Hey, if you like what's going on right now, and there's a lot going on, a lot of great things going on right now, you're gonna love what's gonna come around the corner." And basically, the last pitch is say, "Hey, vote for me," you know. Um, and so, I th- I think one of the big things is he's very good. I um, keep it simple. He doesn't talk down to the voter. He just he's able to keep what's going on very simple for for the average voter to understand. What's happening, and it's a grasp of what he's trying to say, and give a clear contrast of what the democratic party um is trying to do and Another great thing that Trump did um was have great emotional moments and create those emotional optics and you got to remember trump his has made his whole career as a marketer or just and a branding, and so this is really this is his bread and butter um because again, he's been doing it his whole career. Um, in the Trump organization, but I think I thought he had great emotional moments. It's for the average voter to to really feel a connection and uh, and feel very good about themselves. Just like for example, with the Rush Limbaugh receiving the Medal of Freedom, or rejoining of the military family of the husband that was in a Af- station Afghanistan and brought him back. In the- You've seen those videos of when the mili- when the uh, service member comes home and he gives a surprise. Uh, how emotional! It- that is. Um, And so I I thought from that perspective, Trump did a fantastic job and um, deserves all the credit. And then the, the the other thing that I really noticed was that he was really, that he's really pushing for the minority vote specifically. He's pushing for the black vote. And we know that as the, since he's in the Republican party, a lot of the minorities vote for democratic party them or majority do. And so he knows that he's not going to win the majority but what he can do that's going to be very effective is that he can eat at those margins. So if he can keep his base and then steal a little bit of other voters that are on the fringe that normally vote for the Democratic Party, but are going to vote for him in in close swing states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and I even argue Arizona and in Ohio and Florida, he, he's going to do really well, and that, that's going to be what's going to ha- help separate him and get him over the hump of getting reelected. And I think a lot of to back up that claim of going for the minority vote is he touted economic successes of record low unemployment for lowest economic, uh, well, really 50 years, lowest employment in 50 years, which is amazing, uh, but lowest for black Americans ever, lowest for Hispanic Americans ever blows for Asians and young Americans ever. Um, and also he touted for women, 72% of the jobs added last year were were from women. Um, and I think what what's the best about that, it, it shows best equality through opportunity. Given, letting you take advantage of an opportunity to make the most of yourself, I think, is the best set of equality out there. Um, but also it backed it up. Not just from with, with historical low uh, unemployment, but strong consumer confidence. Uh, I mean you, you, you can have low unemployment, but if you don't feel confident about the future, it's it's kind of it, it kind of stables or levels out what the potential. and so and some some um, economic indicators that the consumer confidence is strong, not just from the consumer uh, consumer confidence index, but also look at record holiday sales in the holidays. Um, they, they had rec- record sales numbers, which means people are, are, aren't are afraid to spend a little bit more knowing that they'll be fine next year. Um, the record stock market, which affects 401ks and retirements. And my 401ks is doing really well because of that. And the Gallup, uh, Gallup poll uh, just had a, a record optimism for uh, Americans' personal finances that at 59% believe that they are better off now this year than they were at their at the same point last year, and that three fourths of the uh I guess the individuals that answered three fourths said that they're gonna they feel more confident they'll be in a better financial position next year, um, and so th- those are those are big economic points that I really think helps Trump Trump's case to the, a lot of the minority voters and really just Americans in general, um that. The economy's on fire. America's strong, and we're going to be strong for years to come. Um, and also, I think the, what, what's going to help really complement that is a lot of the trade deals that he's that he's been going through and the foreign policies uh, implementations. Like for example, with the USMCA, uh, that basically undid NAFTA, and it's going to bring fa- more favorable jobs back to the U.S. and it's going to help U.S. industries. Uh, the phase one for the China deal, and I think this is big. Because it's basically holding China accountable for their actions, many uh, politicians have said, "Hey, you know what? We we want to we want to make sure China um, has a playing or even playing field with us." But no one did it because they were always scared of going up against China. And Trump's the f- the first one really to say, "No, that, that we're not going to cut it." Um, and then once once they get past that and they the, the China shows that, hey, the U.S. is serious, and they they start. Complying um, with with all the the new trade deals which that Trump's trying to put forth with China, we'll see a huge economic bounce uh, because those tariffs are going to be lifted, and that's just going to create less regulation, less, and it's not it's going to be a huge economic boost once those are gone. So that's going to be coming down the pipeline, which I think will only help Trump in the future. Um, but also NATO's paying up; they're not free riding off of us anymore. And harsh Iran sanctions, because the JCPOA that the Obama administration signed was absolutely, really, it was absolutely garbage. And Trump basically saying to Iran, no, you're not going to be a nuclear nuclear weapon. And their, their economy is suffering because he's putting those sanction, economic sanctions on them. And it's it's not a pretty exciting round right now. So I think there's a lot of pro-America um, positions that will definitely help in his electorate. Um or in his campaigning, really, to get reelected. But also another focus of going after a minority vote was the criminal justice reform and basically emphasizing second chances and then emphasizing school choice. And I thought it was a great touch when it was the mother and the daughter, and he basically said, hey, there's a scholarship for you for your school choice. I think that's what his education department's doing. is going to be huge for a lot of families because I know a lot of families prefer school choice, um, but also one one subtle thing I think that he mentioned that that I was very impressed with and was very happy with is bringing back the ROP classes because not every single student is geared for college, and and really encouraging and increasing ROP kind of type classes really helps give students a, a, a basically a, a path or at least an idea of what else is out there if they don't want, if the college isn't for them that there's there's another career option for you out there um another big thing that he touted was a strong military you gotta have a strong military um you can't the u.s won't be taken advantage of and and i think the a lot of other countries around the world especially like iran and china and russia and north korea will know that the, you can't mess with the u.s or take advantage of us anymore and i and he really railed against socialism and this kind of brought the point of he's Really good at keeping it simple and kind of comparing and contrasting of his agenda and the Democratic agenda because he railed against socialism and government on everything. And if you look at what happened at Democratic's Iowa caucus, how it was that was an absolute meltdown and a huge debacle? I think that kind of case in point in and of itself, right there. But, and I think something that was huge that was kind of subtle throughout the whole thing is, and it will help with the minority vote for Trump is that when he was touting the record low unemployment for, for the minorities and uh, record or maybe not record, but majority 70 plus percentage of uh, job gains by women, you notice that the democratic party were all sitting on their hands. They weren't clapping. They weren't cheering. They all had sour faces on, And I think Trump understands that and that he also played that as part of his optics to the American people of saying, Hey, look, I'm creating this all for you. And look, look at, look at the democratic party. They're, they're sitting on their hands, um, not happy about it. And I think that kind of speaks volumes to the average voter listening in. Um, and then last but not least, the whole Pelosi feud, um, we'll start off with the snubbed handshake. And I think you can make an argument that he didn't see her because he didn't shake um, Pence's hand. And in the video, when he handed Pelosi the speech, he quickly turned away. Um, So, I mean, you you could argue, I think, that he didn't see her. But I definitely think that was on purpose that he snapped her. And and you can't really blame him because the, the woman that, or in this case, the individual that was basically wanted you removed... And bad mouths you every day. All of a sudden, he says, "Oh, hey, Trump, you got to have a good face with me, and you got to shake my hand. You know, it, it, it's, it's the proper thing to do. I mean, like, screw you. I mean, I wouldn't. I, it, you wouldn't want. You wouldn't do the same thing if you were in that same position. Um, so I definitely think it was on purpose. And the whole Pelosi ripping the speech thing, I, I think that that, that was definitely planned because." there were camera angles and sh- and screenshots of little pre-tears in the speech or in the, in the, um, yeah. In, in the speech that was handed to her while Trump was speaking and those little tears were there to make it. So at the very end for her grand finale, when she knew the camera was going to be on her, um, she was going to have a nice smooth ripping. And so I think, the reason why she did that was to really kind of play to her base and to keep the speakership because the her base is going to be cheering her on and she's she'll, she'll, she'll have a great um, argument to keep her power as the speaker of the house. And then to, I think the main thing part of the main part of it was to really drive the news story away from Trump and his accomplishments at the state of union and really have it focused on her. And I think, if if with keeping it away from Trump and any positive news from Trump, and I think I think is bigger for them, the Democratic Party and Pelosi. Uh, so I think I think that was that was the main reason why she decided to do that. Uh, I thought it was low. It was just absolutely low, low class of her. Um, it it was it was really kind of childish. But hey, I mean that's it's it, and if anything, it's it's showing their true colors. And in front of all of America. I think that was that's gonna really kinda of bite him in the ass in the long run. Um but yeah, so that was State of the Union and my thoughts on that. All right, well that concludes the very first episode. I wanna thank everyone for listening um to what I had to say about the uh State of the Union and the whole impeachment. Um shabackle, I should say. Uh, so I do have a, a day job Monday through Friday. So the goal is to get a weekly episode out there to all of you really on like a high summary of everything that happened that uh that previous week. Um, so but I look forward to going through this journey with all of you. And please leave a like on this episode, it would mean a lot to really get it out there. Um, and really share it out with other with other people you think would be interested in this. But um, until next time, I hope you all enjoy that political high.